by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life brings you inspirational stories, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm Bonnie Finnerty, Education Director at the Federation, and I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Maria Gallagher, the Legislative Director. Hello, Maria. Hello, Bonnie. It's great to be with you today. Great to be with you. It's hard to believe we're starting into our second year of this podcast. And it's <laughs> Yeah, been, it is hard to believe. It, yeah, it's been a wonderful journey with so many great guests, and today is no exception. In fact, if I had one wish, it would be that today every parent everywhere would take time to listen to our guest. She is a former Planned Parenthood employee who offered comprehensive sex education in schools until her eyes were opened and heart transformed. Now she runs an organization called It Takes a Family. We are honored to have Monica Klein join us later in the podcast with her powerful yet alarming testimony. In addition, Maria will give us an important update on the critical Pennsylvania constitutional amendment, also known as the Life Amendment. This can be a game changer in saving lives in the state of Pennsylvania. But we'll begin with a little pro-life inspiration. Last week, we interviewed the founder of COL 1972, a fashion company that is 100% pro-life, donating to and supporting life-affirming causes. Well, we want to tell you about another pro-life company that you might want to check out. You may have heard about Starbucks' decision to pay travel expenses for U.S. employees and their dependents to get abortions if the procedure is not available within 100 miles of a worker's home. As a result, many coffee drinkers are putting their Pike Place and Starbucks Frappuccinos on hold because they do not want to financially support a company that promotes and pays for abortions. But where can a coffee lover turn? Well, I recently learned of a pro-life coffee company called Seven Weeks. They donate 10% of every sale to pregnancy care centers. And to date, they have donated thousands of dollars to help women and their babies. They are committed to identifying and financially supporting smaller underfunded pregnancy resource centers so that they could be fully equipped to serve every mother who walks through their doors. Seven Weeks Coffee has a single origin. It's harvested from small lot farms in Ethiopia, which is the birthplace of coffee. It is pesticide-free and mold-free, and it is sourced through direct trade, and the farmers are paid double what fair trade requires. The company's mission is to promote godly values, provide excellent coffee, and to protect every beating heart. The founder, Anton Krechik, moved to Washington, D.C. two years ago at the age of 22 to get involved in the political process, but he quickly realized a lack of godly principles and a habit of putting profits before people. Inspired by Billy Graham's call for believers to make a difference in the marketplace, he started Seven Weeks Coffee to reverse this trend. And why is it called seven weeks? Well, at seven weeks development, a baby is the size of a coffee bean. And for the first time, a heartbeat is clearly detectable. If you want your morning cup of coffee to serve a greater purpose, check out seven weeks coffee at sevenweeks.com. 
I just happened to come across their Facebook ad a few weeks ago, and I decided to give it a try. And the coffee is outstanding. It's our coffee of choice in our household. And with every cup, we are supporting values that we stand by. Consider trying seven weeks coffee, tell your friends and neighbors about it so that we can all support this pro-life business in their mission to help mamas and their babies. Maria. Bonnie, thank you so much for that inspirational story. Now the following is an important legislative alert from the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. We would like to encourage you to call and email your state legislators and urge them to support a constitutional amendment which would keep abortion out of the PA Constitution. You can send an immediate message to your state lawmakers through our website at www.paprolife.org. This is important because the abortion industry has filed a lawsuit in state court demanding a so-called right to abortion and right to taxpayer funding of abortion under the PA Constitution. If the state Supreme Court rules in the abortion industry's favor, we could lose common sense protective laws such as the Abortion Control Act and our abortion center regulation statute. The loss of these laws would mean no more parental consent for abortion. It would also mean an end to the ban on late term abortion and taxpayer funding of abortion. It would mean no more informed consent for abortion and no more ban on sex selection abortions. It would also mean that hair and nail salons would receive greater scrutiny than abortion centers since the centers would no longer be subject to state inspections. The constitutional amendment would mean that the people through their duly elected representatives would decide abortion policy rather than the courts. So please contact your state lawmakers today. The health and safety of women and the lives of preborn children throughout Pennsylvania hang in the balance. Bonnie. Thank you so much, Maria. Well, it is my pleasure to introduce today's guest. Monica Leal Klein is the founder and president of It Takes a Family. Prior to this, she had the unique opportunity of being a comprehensive sex educator and Title X family planning training manager. She was trained by the LGBTQ community and Planned Parenthood. Her career in comprehensive sex education, CSE, and Title X training management lasted over a decade. However, she came to learn from her quote unquote mentors that serving the marginalized meant only meeting them where they're at and then just leaving them there. It was a combination of this philosophy, her experience in the community, her conversion to Christianity, and her personal story, which prompted her to deeply question comprehensive sex education and how to best serve families and children. She now delivers a powerful message to parents, encouraging them to be the leading voice in their children's life regarding marriage, sex, identity, and healthy relationships. She believes the voice of Christian family values must be stronger in our children's lives than the voice of the world. Monica's mission is to help parents strengthen their leadership at home and in their communities. The great success and stability of any nation is the health and strength of the family. Monica believes that it takes a family to raise strong children, build healthy communities, and form a great nation. Monica Klein, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Positively Pro-Life. 
Oh, thanks for having me here. I'm excited to be with you two ladies. What led you to become involved with Planned Parenthood? Um, well, Maria, that you know, that's uh, I had just graduated from the University of Texas of Austin, uh, and uh, and I wanted to help the world. I wanted to help the marginalized. I was young, and and I really wanted to be there for people. And at the time, HIV, uh, we we're in, in the midst of the HIV epidemic. And I decided to volunteer for an HIV prevention organization so I could do my part. Um, I also had some relatives that had identified with um, having same-sex attraction. They actually died because of HIV in the 80s. And so I wanted to do my part. And now I didn't quite understand what that meant, uh, but I was quickly introduced into this world of the abortion industry and the sex education industry. So really, I went into this with a heart of compassion, wanting to help the marginalized. Uh, and uh, well, I ended up learning a lot more. Uh, and, and I'm sure we'll get into that during this interview. Well, you became involved in comprehensive sex education, and not everybody may know what that means, or they may think that that sounds like a good thing. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you did and what comprehensive sex education entails? Sure. Well, to begin, comprehensive sex education does sound good. You know, when we think about healthcare, we're thinking about anything that's comprehensive must be good because we're covering all the bases. <laughs> uh, but as parents, you know, we need to understand what that really means when it comes to sex and our children. So if comprehensive means covering all the bases, well, quite literally, the sex education industry really means that. Uh, and so in my 10 years of working in comprehensive sex education, the truth is, is that we really did teach and can, and even today, comprehensive sex education teaches children about all forms of sex, um, how to have sex, how to use condoms, how to negotiate the use of condoms with your sexual partner. As you notice, I'm using gender neutral terms because we're taught to use gender neutral terms um, in my HIV training, as well as comprehensive sex education training. Uh, and then it's to refer these kids and adults to STD testing, to Planned Parenthood for abortion, because it's not a matter of if you get a disease or if you get pregnant, but a matter of when. And so those referrals are ready to provide the services for people who are living in a high risk behavior. And so for our children, um, sex in childhood is a high risk behavior for disease and for unplanned pregnancies. Uh, and so really how I explained to parents about why sex education is so important to the abortion industry is because sex education is what grooms a child to dehumanize themselves and one another to engage in high-risk behavior. Uh, and as they're learning that sex is material in the sense that there is no uh, emotion, there is no commitment, it's just about pleasure, um, then it's the natural next step to dehumanize that preborn child. Uh, so, you know, in the 70s or when Roe uh, passed in 1972, Alan Guttmacher was asked, um, how, how can we ensure that abortion will be with us forever legally? And Alan Guttmacher from the Guttmacher Institute, which is the research arm of Planned Parenthood, simply said, sex education. Uh, and this is why when we look at Planned Parenthood's budget, we'll see that their uh, top line item, number one, is surgical procedures, which is the abortions. That's how you know, they spend a lot of money on that because they profit on that as well. 
uh, line item two is sex education. So sex education isn't being used to prevent unplanned pregnancies. It's being used to groom a whole population of people to be engaged in high-risk behavior and then look for that inevitable abortion. And Maria and Bonnie, and today it's not just the abortion anymore that uh, Planned Parenthood is focused on. They're raking in a lot of profit, providing cross-sex hormones to our children as well uh, with this transgender movement. So there are those who make this argument, well, if we only teach children about sex, we'll lower the abortion rate. If we, if we give them access to, comprehend, uh, to contraceptives or teach them safe sex, that will lower the abortion rates. Well, how would you respond to that? Well, the failure rates for um, you know, condoms and birth control um, are a big part of that. The human error rate involved with that as well. Uh, most people, my time working in HIV, for example, uh, my job, uh, HIV prevention and comprehensive sex ed, my job was literally, literally to talk to people about their sex lives, every detail of it, so that I could teach them how to reduce their risk by using condoms, et cetera, uh, and, and other forms of, of barrier methods. And inevitably, everyone eventually admits that they're not really using condoms consistently uh, or correctly. And so it's not really a matter of education, but it's just about human behavior. Um, people also say that, <clears throat> excuse me, that comprehensive sex education doesn't increase the chances of a child having sex or that comprehensive sex education doesn't really tell children to be sexually active. But Maria and Bonnie, if I invited you over with your friends to my house and I said, I'm going to teach you how to bake a cake and pies and various kinds of pies, uh, my expectation is that you're going to go home and you're going to bake a cake and various types of pies. Um, and that is what sex education is. It is teaching children how to have sex, how to use condoms, how to um, how to access the quote unquote healthcare system to get birth control and condoms and STD testing and abortion without having to depend on their parents. And the CDC helps them do that because all of our federal grants for these kind of services are provided to our children for free. And they use this term called adolescent confidentiality, which means we don't have parent, we don't have to have parents be involved at all. Children can access all of these things. And so when people see comprehensive sex education in our public school system that has existed since before I worked in this field, which was back in the 90s. What it's really doing is helping our children learn how to navigate all of these organizations and services without parent knowledge or consent. Why did you become disenchanted with Planned Parenthood? Uh, there are several reasons, Maria. I think part of it was my own personal story. Um, you know, I didn't just teach comprehensive sex education. I lived its philosophy. So I also was having sex outside of marriage. I had an unplanned pregnancy. I almost aborted my child. Uh, and that's a story in itself. But another reason, um, as I saw how my life was being affected by this, I also started to hear stories from the children about how their lives are being affected by this kind of education. And that really broke my heart to see these children um, being involved in these activities that adults had taught them to do, trusted adults, whether it be myself, trusted you know, health educators in the community uh, or the clinics in their communities. And we were failing them because the takeaway that they had is we expect you to have sex. And we, when we teach you all forms of sex, it's because we expect you to be involved in all those 
forms of sex. Just like I use the analogy of making cakes and pies and mousses and such. I expect you to make all those things if I teach you all those things. Um, and so one of those little girls actually said that to me. Um, I was in the middle of teaching uh, 13 year old boys and girls comprehensive sex education in their classroom in a public school. And uh, this little girl raised her hand and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll clean up her language. Um, but she, she really frankly asked me, ma'am, uh, when I give boys oral sex, I gag, can you teach me how to do it better? And I was really shocked by her question. Uh, even if I was in comprehensive sex education, I honestly had not had a child ask me something like that. Uh, and, and then understand, you know, I also recognized that she obviously was saying that she was involved in something she didn't even like. And I wanted her to recognize that. So I repeated her question to her. And, uh, and I said, it sounds like when you have this reaction, you don't like that reaction. Am I correct? She said, you're right. I don't like it. But if you teach me how to do it better, maybe I will. So this little girl actually thought that she had to be involved in an activity that she didn't like. And she was asking me for tips on how to make it better. The first thing I told her was, you know, do you realize that you don't have to do the thing that you don't like doing? And all those little kids just looked at me, uh, not ashamed. Uh, Planned Parenthood had taught me to never tell children to not be sexually active because I would be judging them. Those, these children would feel judged and I would, you know, destroy my relationship with them or hurt the children, make them feel ashamed. But these little kids did not look ashamed. Uh, these 13 year olds did not look ashamed at all. They just looked at me like I had said something to them they'd never heard of before. So I continued and I said, guys, do you realize that you don't have to have oral sex, vaginal sex or anal sex? And if you don't have those forms of sex, you'll never get in contact with bodily fluids that transmit disease like vaginal secretion, semen, and blood. And if that doesn't happen, then you won't have diseases and you will not be pregnant if you just choose not to have sex. And the same little girl raised her hand, hand again and she said, ma'am, no one's ever told us that. So that was one of my first um, experiences with the teenagers that made me realize that comprehensive sex education their takeaway from it is we expect you to have sex, all forms of sex, everything that you can think of, uh, because that's how we teach them. When I was trained by Planned Parenthood, my mentor said, Monica, walk into a room of children, and I want you to imagine that they've done anything and everything when it comes to sex. And if they haven't, they will. And it's your job as a sex educator to teach them about every form of sex and how to reduce their risk. So that literally means everything in a lot of detail, more than you can even imagine. I mean, down to talking about, do you have a fresh tattoo? Do you have a belly button piercing? Well, if there, and I won't go into detail about how that's high risk, but basically, you know, talking about bodily fluids and if it gets on that tattoo or that piercing, I mean, it, it'll just go on and on and on and on and on. And so for these children, their takeaway is, well, I guess this is normal. I guess this is what we're supposed to do if this is what the trusted adult is telling me. Uh, and so they believe this is what they're supposed to do. And then the education goes into role-playing. So not only do we teach them these things, but then we ask them to act it out, not physically, uh, but to negotiate the use of condoms, for example. So how do you uh, make it sound erotic or sexy to increase the chances that your partner uses it. 
make sure that you know how to put it on in various ways so that it's kind of sexy, really gets the par partner willing to use this condom. And so really, and you know, Maria and Bonnie, it is the sexualization of our children in public health, in the public school system. And it is creating a lot of pain in our children. Uh, this is a burden that they are not equipped. They were never meant to carry this burden. Uh, sex is not something that children are supposed to be involved in. Um, it is hurtful to them physically and emotionally and in their relationships and for their future. And when I began to recognize that, and when I began to recognize the true philosophy and the distorted view that this whole abortion and sex ed industry has about our children, they have a very distorted view of sex and a very distorted view of our children. And when I recognized that, I finally quit. I was, it was 10 years later, but I did quit. And then I started to speak out in the pro-life community so that the people in pro-life would begin to recognize that the way abortion is being fueled in our country is by teaching our children to dehumanize themselves in childhood by having sex in childhood. How can parents take back power they might have ceded to Planned Parenthood? Well, first I want parents to recognize that the other side, the abortion industry and the sex ed industry, and even the government, they all know how powerful parents are. And I'll prove that by just saying the fact that adolescent confidentiality was created to keep parents out of the picture. Why? Because parents are powerful. We have laws and uh, other policies that keep parents out of the picture from their children's education. Why? Because they know parents are, po are powerful. Um, when we read the Communist Manifesto or the writings you know, of Karl Marx, he specifically says that we need to end the privatization of family. Uh, be quiet because family is powerful. Any society that has strong families is powerful. He also recognized that the way these families were so strong is because they worshiped God, a Christian God, which is another reason why they wanted to get rid of organized Christian religion uh, and demonize it. And so this tells us that both the family, God, God's creation of the family, and of course, believing in the Christian God are powerful things. And so I want parents to recognize that your children may roll their eyes at you and say that you're a little uncool or old fashioned. It doesn't matter. Kids are going to say that anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The point is, is that you are powerful and you have the greatest influence over your children. Um, even the other side, even the abortion and sex ed industry has polls that they have taken and, uh, or implemented into the into a teen community, and the teenagers have admitted that it's a parent who has the greatest influence over them on what decisions they're going to make about sex and their bodies. If parents would speak, if parents were to bring value into their relationship with their children, if parents take the time to have conversations, not just don't do it, although yes, you must say that, but to truly have conversations with our children. Uh, part of the success of Planned Parenthood, and I unfortunately was a big part of this as well, is their counseling skills. I literally taught them how to counsel these young people coming into their clinic to gain their trust and to keep them in the clinic. Um, and so really what it is, is, is bringing value to these children. 
Uh, and we as parents and as Christians are in the best position to be able to bring value to our children's lives, to give them purpose, to help them understand the value that they have within our family and in our church and in our community, if we take the time to do it. Um, and so when they say parents are barrier to service, because that's what Planned Parenthood taught me, parents are barrier to service. We want to keep them out of the picture. Otherwise, the kids won't come to the clinic anymore. I recognize that as them saying, we're afraid of parents. We need to get rid of them. That means you're powerful. So um, I, both sides of the aisle, both conservative and uh, the liberal uh uh, people I have heard say that parents are not going to do it. They're not going to speak to the children. They're afraid they're not equipped. So with it takes a family, I equip parents to do just that. I equip parents to know how to speak to their children about their bodies, identity, sex, give them tips. I'm not interested in teaching their children. I'm interested in strengthening parents and giving them the skills that they need to strengthen their own families because I won't be there next week or in five years or in 10 years, but you will, the parent will. Um, and so it's so important to start strengthening our families from within. Monica, I saw you appear in the movie, The Matter of Life, which was an mm -hmm. excellent and comprehensive treatment of the abortion issue, but you're involved with another movie project. I'm just wondering the little bit of time we have left, if you could quickly tell us about that pro other project. The Mind Polluters, um, please go watch The Mind Polluters. You can find that on fearlessfeatures.org, fearlessfeatures.org. Mark and Amber Archer created this documentary, and I'm in that documentary, about the sexualization of our children through the public school system, uh, not only through comprehensive sex education, but through youth literature, uh, the use of social emotional learning and surveys uh, really mining data from our children. So, uh, and all of these things are encompassed in this, in this film to help parents understand what is happening in the public school system, why it's happening and what they can do to make it stop. Um, every bit of every example that you see in that film are the most commonly used tactics throughout our nation and our public school system. So parents can feel confident that when they watch this film, these are not just one-offs that happened in some other state or community, uh, but these are things that are being implemented aggressively across our nation through the Department of Education and through our each individual state and district. And they can see that film on fearlessfeatures.org. You can now stream it from your home. I wouldn't recommend that you watch that with your children. Make sure you pray before you watch it. It's very enlightening. You will learn a lot and it'll give you uh, a lot of information for you know what to do to take some next steps and protect your children. Monica Leo Klein, founder and president of It Takes a Family. Thank you so much for all of that important information today. Thank you, oh, Monica. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, thank you very much. Positively Pro-Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the largest single-issue pro-life organization in the Keystone State, with more than 40 local county-based chapters. We shine a spotlight on the most vulnerable individuals from the very dawn of life to the twilight of life. To learn more about the inspiring work of the Federation, please visit our website at www.paprolife.org. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life. <laughs>